listening to the Fish on Ted podcast with your host, Ted Johnson. Well, hi, this is Ted Johnson, and before we start today's podcast, I'd like to give a quick shout-out to a couple of our supporters. George Schauer, who is the Pocono Outdoors guy, has been a friend and advocate of the Fish on Ted podcast and our sister company, Marketing for Guides, for a couple years now. George broadcasts his own podcast live every Sunday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific, on Facebook Live. He then posts his episode on his YouTube channel, of course called The Pocono Outdoors Guy. Along with being a podcast host, George is also a well-known outdoor writer and outdoor videographer. To find out more about George's services, go to his website at www.poconooutdoorsguy.com. I'd also like to recognize Short Bus Flashers, who is based in Oregon. J.T. Gillette started Short Bus Flashers just over 10 years ago, and it has become the premier manufacturer of salmon fishing flashers on the West Coast. If you like catching salmon, you need to visit www.shortbusflashers.com and take a look at all the flashers and the hundreds of shapes and color combinations that are available. Well, hello, this is Ted Johnson with the Fish on Ted podcast. I want to thank everybody for joining us today. If um, you're listening to this podcast a month or two or a year out or so, we're recording this just at the end of September. It is the uh, first presidential debate uh, going on between uh, Donald Trump and Joe Biden. So uh, we're all excited to to hear that uh, uh, coming up this evening. But we're here to talk fishing and uh, just to talk about what's been going on in, in Louisiana and in particular with a gentleman that I've known for a couple of years now and without uh, taking away any of his fire. Brett, you there? Yes, sir. I'm here. How are you doing, Ted? <laughs> good. How are you, man? I'm doing fine. We're, we're doing good down here in Louisiana. We just had a little cold front come through and drop the temperatures and, and the weather feels fine. <laughs> well, good for you. Good for you. Just to let everybody catch up a little bit, uh, you're with Venice Charters out of uh, Louisiana. And uh, uh, what what part of Louisiana are you in, Brent? Yes, sir. I own Venice Charters Unlimited, and our, our website's venicecharters.com. We are mm-hmm. in Venice, Louisiana, which is about one hour south of New Orleans, near the mouth of the Mississippi River. And uh, we're, we're about as far south in Louisiana as you can go. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So you are you are right on the point when uh, uh, when 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 weather comes in, aren't you? Yeah, and and you know you and I discussed that a little bit earlier. And and whenever we have a, a hurricane or any kind of tropical system come across the Gulf of Mexico, it seems like they all target the mouth of the river here and and New Orleans in particular, kind of a bullseye because of where we're situated. We just kind of stick out into the Gulf. And uh, that being said, we've, we've had several really, really strong hurricanes come this year, Laura and Sally and and another one called Marco. Uh, Of course, Laura Uh went in 
Lake Charles and did a lot of damage to the west of us. It was, it was, you know, several hundred miles to our west, so it didn't affect us. And uh, we, we really kind of breathed a sigh of relief. And then we had Sally come visit, and she just sat right off of the mouth of the river for about two days. And the wind got pretty strong, but not hurricane strength here in Venice. Uh, yeah. And then that storm, you know, kind of unexpectedly went into – Orange Beach and and over towards Pensacola, Florida. So we, you know, we missed that one too. And and we really had no damage here in Venice to any of our properties. Uh, Venice Marina, where I operate out of, is fine. Uh, Everything's functional here, and and we really got lucky. Oh, that's great. That's great. Hey, I'm just curious. How how did you end up in the fishing business was this something that that got spurred when you were younger or uh, how 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 in the world did you get into uh, being a fishing guide or a charter captain full-time that's a good question and it's a question that i get pretty often so i have a a pretty standard answer that i've almost rehearsed uh my my father was an attorney in baton rouge and We had a houseboat, a camp down at the mouth of the river, at the very end of the river at, at Port Eads, which is at the end of South Pass. Uh, and you cannot drive a car there. You can only get there by boat. So mm-hmm. we had a there from 1978 until, oh, the, the late 90s or even around 2000, we had a camp there. And then we moved our houseboat to Venice which is about okay. 25 miles north of Port East. So during that time, I learned the Venice area from Port East. You know, I learned where to fish and, and how to fish down there and uh, really kind of sh- stretched my legs down there in a 14-foot aluminum john boat and re- really ran all over the mouth of the Mississippi River down there in that john boat when I was a kid. And uh-huh. uh I proceeded to go to LSU and was going to be an attorney like my father and, and got a year uh, or so into it and decided I didn't want to do that. And he, uh, he encouraged me to not do that, encouraged me to become a, a fishing guide and said, quote, we need more boat captains and less lawyers in this world, unquote. So, uh, you know, I, I took that and then, of course, 19 i've been doing this for 30 years ted so it's 2020 so i guess i got my charter license in two, in 1990 and yeah, okay. uh, when i did he helped me get a, a charter boat and uh, i took a lot of his legal clients fishing and, and that was kind of how i started out and it just kind of kept going from there and here i'm 30 years later still doing it and we've got several boats running and uh we offer inshore and offshore now, so it's been a it's been a good way to make a living, and it's something that I still enjoy. Wow, that's great! You, you know, you're not unique in your story, in in that I know of a number of um, of, of charter captains that have basically the the same story, where they came from a, a family that was involved in uh, you know in 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 the law and attorneys and that sort of thing. And they got into law school and they go, you know, this is not something I want to do. I want to go fishing. 
and uh, it's really funny. It's it, the, 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 you know it's that perfection, if you may, or or that uh, um, that target of study that has spawned a, a lot of fishing guides. Yep, I guess so. Um, like I said, I, I I could have gone either way at, at, at that junction, and, and I'm kind of glad I chose this. I, I, I may have made more money, Bernie, but you know I'm, I may have not. So I don't know. Right. <laughs> either way, right. I'm, I'm pretty happy with what I do, and and uh, you know I feel like I made the right decision for me. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you've uh, you've seen a lot in your life. In in regards yeah. to the yeah, the type of fishing that you have available to you, Brent, um, I know that you go after what uh, reds and trout and and what other species are you fishing on a regular basis? Well, my 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 primary focus has always been redfish, speckled trout, flounder. Uh, we even do some bass tours where we take you bass fishing because the bass fishing here in the Mississippi River Delta is incredible. Um, mm -hmm. We have tarpon fishing. We also offer the, the offshore boats. My, my offshore captains will take you to get tuna, uh, wahoo, and then during the summer, of course, we've got billfish, marlin, uh, sword fishing has become extremely popular. They've really figured out how to catch them during the day and, and instead of at night and the sword fishing here is great, um, but my my focus has always been speckled trout and redfish. That that's mm -hmm. what Venice is, you know, really known for is is redfish, speckled trout, and tuna. If you had to just pick three fish, uh, the the red fishing here is the best anywhere on the planet. Period. Really? I've been all over the Gulf Coast, and there there's no place that has uh, an ecosystem where you have fresh, a huge freshwater river, the Mississippi River, which is one of the biggest rivers in the world, running into the Gulf of Mexico, which is essentially an ocean, and mm -hmm. where those, you know, where that ecosystem, where, where, where those two meet, it, it, it's just a great estuary that you don't find any very many places uh, on the planet, and it it just creates such a, a viral uh, that's not the right word. It, 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 it's it's a very fertile area for all of these species that we target, and uh, in particular redfish. There's a ton of bait fish at the mouth of the river, and all mm -hmm. the bays and all the tributaries that we fish. There are millions and millions of uh, menhaden and and mullet and shrimp and crabs and just a smorgasbord of uh, food for these fish to eat. So yep. we just, you know, we really have a, a very unique estuary system here that uh, creates a great fishery. And I've always said that I would not want to have to take fishing charters anywhere else except Venice because they kind of spoil spoil you when you come here and you catch, you know, seventy five or a hundred redfish in a day, and you can go other places and fish for a month and not catch that many. Yeah, no kidding. You know, we have uh, visitors, Brent, from, you know, all over the United States, and there are some parts of, of the U.S. that are not as familiar with redfish as uh, as others. 
Um, tell us about fishing for redfish. How do you how do you do it? What's the fight like? Um, you know, what's the experience all about? Sure. There's a bunch of ways you can fish for redfish. Um, you know, t- redfish are opportunistic feeders. They'll, they'll eat anything that they can that's that's pretty easy to get. And if they see a crab that is in distress or that looks like they can get it, they're going to get it. Uh, they're yeah. very aggressive, at, you know, most of the time. You know, I've, I've seen them where they were lethargic and wouldn't wouldn't eat anything but um for the most part they're very aggressive uh one of the funnest ways to catch them is to to get out in these bays where you have these schools of menhaden and and the redfish you know essentially pushing these schools into balls like you see on videos on national geographic channel where they're just balling the bait fish to the surface and and gorging on them when you find that you'll, you'll have acres of redfish on top of the water sometimes you know just just you can see them and uh that's really fun anything you throw in there they'll eat um but i'd say about 75 percent of the time the way we fish for the redfish is to get along the the banks of these bays with the rozo cane line shorelines and target specific points or pockets where we've caught these fish before and anchor up with our power pole anchors and and you know uh, we use a we use a four horseman uh popping court it's made here by aaron pierce and his company four horsemen in louisiana it's, it's a it's a it's a float that suspends mm-hmm. your shrimp we use live shrimp mostly suspends your live shrimp above the fish about two feet and basically floating a live shrimp dangling a live shrimp in front of these redfish's face and if you you know do it as long as we have you you get to where you know that these fish are there and when you pull up and and you start dangling those live shrimp in front of their face with a four horseman cork it you know it, it's pretty effective really oh now now are do they do they do they hit pretty hard when you do that i mean or are they just tapping it What's the what's the experience? They hit very hard. A, a redfish is a lot like a largemouth bass, and when it the way it feeds, when it does finally make up its mind to attack the the bait, it doesn't mm-hmm. miss it. Uh, a lot of people will say, "I just had something playing with my bait." You know, my cork was dancing. I right. tell them that was not a that was not a redfish. When a redfish hits, you're your four horseman cork disappears completely. It just disappears oh, wow. from sight. Immediately gone, and and the fish just grabbed that shrimp and and you know went for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and a lot of times, you know, you you hook them, and and they make such a hard run. It's an exhilarating run at first that if your drag's not just right and everything's not perfect on the rod, they'll they'll break your line. So you got to be real careful to make sure that all your equipment's just right. We use 30-pound braided line. Um, you know, we use 30-pound monofilament leaders, and uh, you got to just you know got to make sure everything's right because when they hit it, they they hit it like a ton of bricks. Really? Now, how big do they get, Brent? 
But the slot reds, uh, what we call slot reds, which we target to, to keep, are mm-hmm. they have to be 16 inches to keep, a minimum 16 inches. And you can only keep one over 27 inches per person per day. So your slot is basically 16 to 27 inches. Now, a lot of people will target the bull reds. They'll come down here and want to fish with us for bull reds. Mm-hmm. Bull reds are the gigantic redfish over 27 inches, you know, 27 to 60 inches that can, that can weigh up to 60 pounds, 50 or 60 pounds. And, uh, there's some real toads. They, you know, they'll, they'll fight you for 15, 10, 15 minutes on a, on a light spinning outfit. Wow. No kidding. I didn't realize they got that big. That's amazing. Yeah, they really, they're really a, a great game fish. Uh, of course, we have speckled trout, too, that we, we catch alongside the redfish a lot of times. But uh, uh-huh. many times we just target the speckled trout. A lot of times we'll, we'll target the speckled trout first because uh, primarily they'll feed earlier in the morning. And then the redfish seem to feed later in the morning, usually between 9 a.m. and noon with the tide switch. When the, when the tide starts to fall, the redfish usually uh, feed more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll be darned. So, so what's a, what's a typical day like? Somebody books a trip with you. Uh, how does it start? How, how many hours do you fish? And uh, um, are are you you know running for hours to get to fishing spots, or are they fairly close? Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, we don't usually have to run that long. Uh, I would say on average we might run. Uh, anywhere from 15 minutes to, you know, maybe 30 or 45 minutes tops. Uh, 45 minutes being kind of as far as we'll go. We generally will meet at Venice Marina at daylight, which right now, you know, being around the 1st of October, it's it's 6 a.m. Uh, and then we'll fish, you know, until they get tired, uh, until mm-hmm. they get their limit. Uh uh, or, you know, eight hours, whatever comes first. We, we are using live bait. So generally when you run out of live shrimp, uh, you know, your odds, your odds go down. Uh, we do yeah. sometimes catch them artificial and a lot of people like to target the, the redfish on artificial and the trout, but, uh-huh. uh, you know, obviously live baits going to always be better than, than artificial. Yeah. And, and what's, I'm just curious what the what the limit is on redfish. Redfish limit is five per person. And like I said, they have to be 16 inches up to 27 inches. So they have to be in that slot. So a, a, mm-hmm. a perfect size slot redfish is, uh, you know, maybe 21 inches, something like that, 22 inches. Got it. Got it. I'll be done. So uh, it, it, it sounds like you need to bring a pretty, a pretty big cooler when, when you come fishing with you for a couple of days. Well, if we have a really successful trip, especially a two- or three-day trip, yeah, you need to bring a 150-quart cooler and, uh, you know, be prepared to bring home a lot of meat. Yeah. My group that's here right now, they're, they're fishing inshore tomorrow, and then they're going to go offshore on Thursday, one of my offshore captains. They may catch six or eight yellowfin tuna on wow. Thursday, and and you know, uh, depending on the size of those, I, I saw some 
175 pound yellowfin tuna come in yesterday. So, you know, they really? they catch one of those and, and they're going to need more than one big ice chest. So you yeah, definitely have to be prepared. Yeah. Wow. No kidding. I didn't realize the tuna got that big down in your part of the world. They do. Yellowfin, especially this time of year, October and, and, and in the spring when, when we get the, the lump bite, they call it, where we're catching them on those offshore mountains. Those, yeah. those tuna can up to 200 pounds. Um, right now, they, they, they'll target them around the oil rigs with live bait, and they'll target them behind the shrimp boats. They'll pull mm-hmm. up behind these deep water shrimp boats that are, that are trawling out there in, you know, five or 600 feet of water, and uh, they'll get right up behind them. And when the shrimp boats pull up their trawls, it's got all that bycatch that goes in the water and, and oh. falls in the water, throwing it over. So it's basically chumming up the, the fish and the tuna boats will pull up behind them and take advantage of that and find those fish almost in a feeding frenzy sometimes. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Wow. No kidding. That, that's amazing. Now you, you and I have another passion in common and it, it happens in the fall of every year. Are you, are you going to sneak out and do a little bit of duck hunting? Uh, this year? Yeah, I am. Uh, you know, my my favorite is to go up to my place in Arkansas and, and hunt the green timber, but uh, yeah. we do have really good duck hunting here, and we do offer that as a kind of a cast and blast package where you go out with our uh, duck hunting guides in the morning and duck hunt, and we'll set you up with one of our fishing captains after lunch to, to fish. Uh-huh. Uh, and And We've just finished, in fact, Sunday was the last day of the early teal season here in Louisiana, and we have a two-week teal season here that's usually the middle of September until the end. Uh, Uh Sunday was the last day, and and, uh, primarily blue-wing teal. We do get a, a heck of a lot of blue wing teal here in Venice. And uh, we just finished with that season. Oh, I'll be darned. I'll be darned. I, I didn't realize that. And and uh, you get a lot of the, uh, you know, the, what did, the spoonbills and that sort of thing? Or, or are you getting pintails uh, and mallards and, and that sort of thing like the rest of the country? In a regular duck hunting season, we have a lot of pintails, a lot of gadwalls, a lot of wegens, uh, uh-huh. a lot of teeth. Teal, but the, the teal during the regular duck season, the teal will primarily be green wing teal. The blue wing yeah. teal come through here, you know, now uh, September and October, and then they go on. We don't we don't shoot very many of the blue wings during the regular duck season. Um, mm-hmm. We don't have very many mallards here in in Venice. Um, most of the mallards that I kill are, are in uh, central Arkansas. Uh, yeah, and then northern Arkansas, where my where my duck hunting camp is up there. But uh, we we have a ton of pintails. Uh, late season into January, we we'll get a lot of canvasbacks, redheads, mm-hmm. and those kind of diving ducks. Mm-hmm. I'll be darned. Gosh, and what a great opportunity this time of year for, like you were saying, somebody to come in and and do a, a blast, you know, blasting cast. If if you've never done that. That's a trip, man. 
Yeah, it is. It's a lot of fun. And and we, we offer that in November. Our, our duck season starts around the middle of November here in Louisiana. And, uh, we can hook them up with that if they want to go shoot ducks in the morning and then go fishing after. Or what I encourage them to do is shoot ducks one day and then go fishing mm-hmm. the next day. That way you're not trying to lump it all into one day. Uh, right. Do a two-day trip, duck hunt one day, and then fish the next. Yeah. Now, now, do you offer accommodations, Brent? We do. We have two camps here that we rent out nightly. Uh, they're two bedroom, two bath, and uh, they can sleep five people each camp. Uh, we also have several friends with houseboats here at Venice Marina and at Cypress Cove Marina uh, mm-hmm. that are very nice. They're, they're floating camps and uh, you know, it's nothing like getting picked up at your houseboat in the morning and then going fishing, you know, right from the water, already being on the water. So we have those oh, wow. options. Uh, there's several hotels here in Venice that we can hook everybody up with. And we do, uh-huh. we will definitely point them in the right direction. If they don't end up staying in one of our camps, we'll make sure that they have a place to stay. Yeah, very good. Well, I think I know the answer to this, but I do ask it uh, uh, periodically with uh, our guests on the show. If you had personally, if you had one more fishing trip in you, and that was it, what would you go fishing for, and how would you fish for it? <laughs> Does it have to be in Venice, or can it be anywhere in the world? It can be anywhere in the world, man. I would go back to the Tropic Star Lodge in Panama and fish for blue marlin for four days like i did with my father before he passed away he would take my brother-in-law and i down there every year for about three years and it's incredible Uh fish down there for blue marlin really no kidding no kidding what great memories that must have uh, must have given you yeah it, it was we um we went the, the very first trip we went, we fished the Zane Gray Reef, and, and within about 30 minutes, we had a 500-pound black marlin hooked up. And, Holy uh, God, really? Yeah, we caught we caught five blue marlin and two black marlins and four two black marlin in four days. And uh, every year that I went after, we we caught them like that. It's just an incredible fishery for marlin. We have great fishing here for Marlin too in, in Louisiana, uh-huh. but uh, if you really, really have a bucket list Marlin on your on your mind, that that's the place to go is is Tropic Star Lodge in Panama. Is that's a great plug, man. That is a great. I, I can't imagine hooking into a five hundred pound Marlin. I mean that you know th- those things are as as, a, as aggressive as you can possibly get. Yeah, and they jump a lot and and. It's just something you'll never forget, you know, the rest of your yeah. life. Yeah, no kidding. Well, Brent, I want to thank you, man, for uh, taking time out of your day. I know you're a busy guy and uh, sharing with us about uh, what you do and the opportunities to fish down in uh, Venice, Louisiana. If somebody wants to get a hold of you to book a trip this fall or in the coming year, how do they do that, Brent? The best way to get in touch with me is simply go to our website, and it's easy, easy to remember. It's VeniceCharters.com. Mm-hmm. They can get our phone number there, which is 225-268-8420. They can get the phone number there and 
email us uh, from our website, venestarters.com. That's, that's the best way to get us. And uh, you can email me. We can book your trip with, via email, or you can give us a call, and we'll book you that way. Oh, very good. Very good. Well, Brent, I want to thank you, man, for, uh, like I said, taking time out of your day and uh, giving us a, a little uh, uh, a little insight into uh, the great uh, uh great place and uh, that you fish and the, and the fisheries and that sort of thing. It, uh, it's something that's definitely on my bucket list in the years ahead. Yes, sir. Thank you, Ted. I appreciate you taking time out of your day and, and it was good to catch up with you. And likewise. Thanks again, Brent. Thank you.